Welcome to Violet Church's podcast, where each week you'll hear a recap of Sunday's message and receive practical, relevant, biblical perspectives on topics that matter to you. My name is Eric Flynn, and I have the pleasure of serving as the executive pastor here at Violet. And we kicked off a fantastic new series in the Gospel of Mark on January 1st titled Following Jesus, where each week we're diving deeper into God's Word and unpacking some key topics and principles. I'm very excited for today's episode. We have Pastor Rick Williams joining us today. Pastor Rick is in his 27th year as senior pastor here at Violet Church, and he also serves as the Central Ohio Catalyst for the State Convention of Baptists in Ohio. Welcome to the podcast, Pastor. Hey, it's great to be with you, Eric. Yes, yes. Well, welcome back from your prayer and planning retreat. I know each year, beginning of the year, you get away, you get alone with God, and you and you you go through what God's telling you and teaching you. And uh, you mentioned when you kicked off the the sermon this week, you mentioned on your retreat that you do something called a post-it note timeline, and you do that in order to look back and see how God's been at work in your life over the past year, and maybe extract some lessons that God has been trying to teach you, or through people, circumstances, and events. Um, you do this every single year. Yes, yeah. Eric, I find this to be um, one of the greatest tools for me um, because I think the outcome is perspective. It allows me to get um, perspective on the previous year. It helps me to really begin to see how God has been at work. It helps me to see some of the lessons he's been trying to teach me because what I've discovered is if we don't capture those lessons in time, then we forget them over time. Mm, absolutely. And this is obviously a very powerful tool for you since you go through it annually. And I, I go through it not annually. I'll admit that to you. Um, <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I need to or I should. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've gone through this probably two or three times, I believe. Yeah. And it was very powerful. It was very powerful in my life to, to look back and see, mm. you know, the pink post-it notes, which are, represent, you know, some harder things yes. that happened in that time. Um, and then they celebrate some of the things that, that, that God was doing and, and where he was moving. And mm. even though he was working that entire time yep. through the good and the bad, and, and you mentioned that it's, it's sometimes easy to, um, when, we, when we put a yellow post-it note time or a yellow post-it note on our timeline mm -hmm. uh, to celebrate what God's doing because that's a good thing. Yep. But it's a little harder you're not really celebrating the pink post-it notes. Yeah. You don't want to waste that either. Right. Yes. Um, so for our listeners out there, if this is something you may be interested in, we'll be hosting a focused living retreat on February 24th and February 25th, where you will have the opportunity to put together your own post-it note timeline. And you can register for that under our events page on our church center app, or you can go to our website, violetbaptistchurch.org and register there as well. We would love to have you. I know um, it's, it's very powerful to see what God's been doing in and through your life. So, Pastor, you preached on the Gospel of Mark 3 this past Sunday, and you, you highlighted verses 1 through 6. And I'd just like to dig into that a little bit more, if that's okay with That'd you. That'd be great. Absolutely. So you mentioned the word soundtrack. You kicked off core soundtrack. And that we all have these soundtracks going through the, through our heads. Mm -hmm. um, now, you're not specifically talking about songs or, you know, messages or 
what, what what does that mean exactly when you say soundtracks? Yeah, so Eric, I'm reading an interesting book right now, Soundtracks by John Acuff. And in the book, the premise is that we all have soundtracks. Um, we have healthy thoughts or unhealthy thoughts that continue to play in our thoughts. And uh, the key is to retire the unhealthy thoughts and to replace them with healthy thoughts and repeat those healthy thoughts. Uh, it's biblical because in Philippians 4.8, the Apostle Paul writes, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And so what Paul is telling us is the importance of thinking on things that are biblical and good and healthy. And so as we come to Mark, I've discovered from my own life, as I'm working through our journal that we have, um, the scripture notebook that everybody's received for small groups, is I'm, I've got a goal to capture at least one soundtrack for each of the 16 chapters. And so as I preached on chapter 3 this past weekend, um, the core soundtrack for me was, as you said, the call to follow Jesus is a call to live and love like Jesus. So I want to keep that healthy thought in my mind as I go throughout the day. If I'm going to follow Jesus, it means living and loving like Jesus. Thanks for unpacking that. Sure. We, um, we have so much today thrown at us. You know, the all push notifications on our phone. Mm -hmm. um, turn the radio on. Turn the TV on. Um, but our devices, uh, whether we get on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or Snapchat, mm -hmm. TikTok, uh, who knows what other platforms are out there to get on. But I don't think all of those platforms are necessarily pushing the healthy thoughts. Right. right? They might be pushing the thoughts of things that we think we might need or want in our lives, mm -hmm. um, promotional things, things like that. Um, how do we, how do we go about putting, replacing those things with healthy thoughts? Is it, how do you do it? Is it getting in the word early in the morning to set your day? Um, so you, so you don't get off track or what, what's your method of, a healthy soundtrack? Yeah, that's a great question, Eric. I think uh, for me, um, it's important for me to remember that my mind is a battlefield. Mm. And so either Satan is going to have a beachhead in my thoughts and in my mind, or the Lord is. And so early on as a believer, I was so blessed by a mentor who taught me the practice of memorizing scripture. And so as I learned to memorize scripture, I, I began to meditate on those scriptures throughout the day. So I think it's as simple as memorizing a, a key scripture that will help you. In my case, um, like most people, I've battled with worry before. So early on, I memorized Philippians 4, 6, and 7, where, talks, where Paul talks about uh, be not anxious about anything, but pray about everything. And so I just remember that soundtrack and, uh, and I think about that. So when I start to worry, I do what Paul says. I begin to allow that thought to replace the thought of worry. I'm not going to be anxious. Instead, I'm going to pray. So it's, a, it's an open line of communication of prayer yes. throughout the day. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's a, that's a great method. Um, 
And you had, you had just mentioned what it means to live in love like Jesus. Um, and in your first first note um, on the insert on the bulletin is we see the conviction of Jesus. So what it means to live in love like Jesus is that we must live with conviction. Like Jesus had in Mark 3, verses 1 through 3, he was contested, he was criticized by religious leaders for healing a man with a shriveled hand on the Sabbath and in Mark chapter 2. And um, the, you'd mentioned the Pharisees were not there to find God, but to find fault. And I thought that was so powerful, um, just that sentence alone. Because I think in our own lives, it's easy to find fault. It's hard to look for other things, it, it, the godly things. It's hard to look for the good things sometimes when when we're looking for, mm. well, this person did this or, or fault in this or fault in that or it's not my fault. It's mm-hmm. someone else's fault. Um, but to live with conviction, what it means to to live and love like Jesus. We see the con- the conviction of Jesus in Mark 3, 1 through 3. And sometimes that's really difficult to do these days. Can you unpack Mark 3, 1 through 3 just a little bit more um, for, for, for myself and for the listeners? Yeah, I think uh, as I was working through the passage um, last week, one of the words that really caught my attention in verse 2 was the word watched. Um, the Pharisees were, were looking intently on a way to trap and trip up Jesus. In fact, that was why they were there. They weren't there to worship the Lord or to hear the, word, the Lord's word. They were there to find fault. And I think what often happens is, as we look at Verses 1 through 3, if we're not careful, it's very easy for us to, from the outside to look in and see, man, the Pharisees really just, what were they doing? And yet I think sometimes if we're not careful, that's what religious um, traditions and ways can do to us. They can blind us to, to the godly ways. And that's why I talk about you know, living with the conviction of Jesus means to prioritize God over religion. I think back as a young believer, um, I was very zealous as a young believer because I'd been saved, trusted the Lord, and was just wide open, just whatever God wanted. Unfortunately, I kind of fell into some teaching that taught some very legalistic um, things and thoughts and, and ways, and I really began to focus more on rules and regulations and began to look down on people because they weren't doing it this way or doing mm-hmm. it that way. And what I was what I was, what I was missing out on was what what the Pharisees were missing out on in verses one through three, and that was a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And that's what legalism will do. It will it will mess you up. You know, I talked about in my message that um, legalism is when you turn your personal preferences into divine principles. And you judge people by your standards rather than by God's standards. My, my zeal as a young believer um, really messed me up for a while because I began to project on others and superimpose upon others my preferences, my opinions. And so I, I, I've learned, a hard, I've, I've learned the hard way that legalism can really um, 
leave some wounds yeah. in relationships. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing that. We, as you were saying, as you were talking through that and where you hit on legalism, um, I think what I hear sometimes is that we move the parameters as, as people in general. We look down the table and say, well, I'm not as bad as this person or mm. this person or this person. And all we're really doing is moving the parameters so we fit in mm-hmm. our preferences and what we believe our our God yep. um, through our preferences yep. we've aligned with. Yeah. When that's not the case. Yeah. Um, we're not the judge. Yeah. And but that was very powerful. Um, and I, th- I think if we're not careful, sometimes our preferences come out. Yeah, and I think that's a big turnoff to to every generation and i think oftentimes the biggest hindrance of people coming to jesus is a misrepresentation misrepresentation of jesus and we we don't look like the jesus of scripture um we're not filled with grace we're more like the pharisees we're filled with just this legalism that really just scars people and wounds people yes so you continued on so your first point in following Jesus, we see the conviction of Jesus. You continued on in your second point to we see the compassion of Jesus in Mark 3, verse 4, where it says, Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? But the kick, then, then the kicker came. <laughs> but they remained silent. Yeah. They just, they didn't say anything. Yeah. That's, they knew. They yep. knew what he was getting at, mm-hmm. um, but what a great question for them! And can can you can you talk a little bit more? If if we're going to follow Jesus, we need the compassion of Jesus in our yeah. lives. Yeah, as you said, Eric, this this question just really leaps off the page of Scripture. Uh, of course, Jesus is the master at asking questions. It was both a penetrating and very powerful question, and it really got to the heart of the issue. Because they had to land on one side or the other. Either we're going to do good or we're going to do evil. We're going to save life or we're going to kill. And obviously they remained silent because deep down inside they knew that there was a lack of compassion in their heart. As I think about your question, I think about my own life. And I've discovered that uh, if I'm not careful, I can be like the Pharisees. I can be more focused on on task and and miss out on relationships and miss out on the opportunity to be compassionate um, it's interesting in the synagogue that Jesus looked at the man with compassion the Pharisees looked at the man as a pawn in their little game and if we're not careful um, we can use people as pawns in our own little games and move people around according to our agenda as we look at Jesus and see his compassion, um, we, like him, we need to choose goodness above rules instead of making excuses. And so it's so important in my own life um, to see with the eyes of Jesus as I so look true. at people. Because every person I lock eyes with, Jesus died for that person. And I don't want to miss that. I don't want to miss that opportunity. I, I can't help everybody, but I can help somebody. I think so often we miss those opportunities because of the lack of compassion. And sometimes we're more task-oriented than we need to be. Yeah. I, I'm guilty. 
I'll say I'm guilty of being more task oriented. Um, and it's difficult sometimes because sometimes I'm like, well, I, I got to get this done and focusing on this. Mm-hmm. Um, when in the reality is, is it's about the person. It's yeah. about the people, yeah. not necessarily the task. And I think sometimes in today's world, we, we get so busy with things. We fill our mm-hmm. schedules and, you know, sometimes we can be selfish people yep. and we forget to see the people through the eyes of Jesus. Yep. And, and we see it through the eyes of, I need to get this done or mm-hmm. I'm, you're in my way of getting this completed or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And that can be so hard sometimes, but this was a great reminder that if we want to follow Jesus, mm-hmm. we need the, the compassion of Jesus yeah. as well. Yeah. The Pharisees silence was deafening. It was just, um, and, it, and as I think about my own life, I think it's important for me to to really come back to that core value that I've discovered from my own life. Um, oftentimes, if we're not careful, it's all about results. And I lived my life that way for a while until God really convicted me. Uh, results are important, but relationships are important. Yeah. So they're not enemies. Right. So relationships and results. And I think when we choose goodness above rules then we're living with the compassion of jesus yes and it, the interesting thing i'm going to jump back to last week with pastor keith's message mm-hmm. in mark 2 yep. where he dis he he talked about um lowering the man down you know he was handicapped he was lowering him down through the roof yep. of of the, of um peter's home yep and um i was thinking about that and i thought they couldn't get in the door because the Christians, Christians were preoccupied mm. with doing their own thing, yep. that these guys couldn't get this crippled man, this handicapped man, right. through the door. Yep. They had to go through the roof. Yeah. And sometimes, do we do that in our own lives, yep. where we're the roadblock from someone coming to Jesus? Um, you know, I don't want to just say, "Oh, we're on to verse three or you know, we're into mm-hmm. to chapter three yeah. and and not go back to chapter two. But I right. think that these lessons are starting to stack. Yes. Mark one, oh, yeah. Mark two, Mark three. And and really dying to self mm-hmm. and picking up the cross and following daily and yep. being attentive to those around you. Um, but so you really nailed it with following Jesus with we see the conviction of Jesus. We see the compassion of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, to choose goodness above rules. Mm. We're not just living in, in rules on a daily basis. Um, you go on to to point three, where in order to follow Jesus, we see the courage of Jesus. Mm. Um, and, and you touched on Mark chapter three, verses five and six here, where he was a little upset. You know, he looked around, mm. he looked around at them in anger. It says, deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts and said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot how they might kill Jesus. Mm. What the courage of Jesus. He, you know, I think sometimes we, we paint Jesus as just this free, loving, <laughs> nice. He's our friend, right? Yep. He gets uh, he gets some upset at times, yeah. and this was one of the times where he he knew he was picking up what the Pharisees were doing, mm-hmm. and he didn't back down from it. Yeah, he confronted it. Right. He didn't sh- shrivel away and say, right. "Well, you got me." 
Yeah. Like, he yeah. he he stood up and he faced it head on and and in order to follow Jesus we see the courage of Jesus which sometimes may be lacking today in some Christians. Mm-hmm. Can you unpack that a little bit more? Yeah, I think uh, that's a great share Eric as far as oftentimes we we tend to cast Jesus in our own imagination and thought that he's just this um uh just this loving, compassionate, and he is Savior. Yes. But he's also, um, he's full of truth. And and I believe in my heart the reason that he's angered and he's, he's grieved is because of the hardness of their heart. Because they weren't willing to see this man as someone who needed compassion. And I think anytime you see the anger of Jesus in Scripture, it's always reserved for the Pharisees. And I think the root is always pride uh, because they're going against the goodness and the grace of God and they're going against the will of God and their tra- traditions are so ingrained that they're so rigid that they will not be flexible. They will not see this man the way Jesus sees him. So as we look at this passage, it says that he's deeply distressed. He's, yes. he's angered at them. And I think sometimes if we're not careful, boy, um, I don't want to say we can be like Pharisees, but sometimes we can be like Pharisees <laughs> if we, we're not careful. We we can be. Which, yeah. which is a slippery slope. Yeah, and I think we, we miss some scriptures that talk about we can even grieve the Spirit of God. Mm. You know, the Bible talks about grieving the Holy Spirit. And so as believers, we're saved, we're going to heaven, but along the way, sometimes we can grieve God because we're going against what he wants. And in this case... The Pharisees are there to get this man, not to to help this man. They're there to get Jesus, and they're they're there to kill him. They're saying that, um, you know, you can't heal this man on the Sabbath. But it says here that on the Sabbath, they begin to plot to kill Jesus. Mm. The irony of that. Right. Perfect man. Yep. Yeah. Um, the, the three topics you covered here, following Jesus, we see the conviction of Jesus, we see the compassion of Jesus, and we see the courage of Jesus. As, as we go through our week to, to do these things, um, especially if we claim to be Christians, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, to live these out, we can, we can get sucked into the world and our schedules, and, and then we can become selfish in what we do and how we handle things. and But what are some things that we can do on a daily basis to follow Jesus with conviction, compassion, and courage? I know you touched a little bit on the conviction piece, but maybe on the compassion and the courage piece a little bit. Yeah, I think it's just acknowledging that this is the way Jesus lived. This is the way Jesus loved. And if I'm going to follow Jesus means I'm going to be like Jesus. And so I think specifically when it comes to this idea of courage, it means standing up on what you know to be right from Scripture and letting the chips fall where they may. One of the most important lessons that I've learned as a pastor is um, this idea of standing on principle. And I think for many, like many of us, I think, um, you know, we're tempted. I've been tempted. I am tempted to be a people pleaser, mm-hmm. to be an approval addict. And I think um, when, we, when we do that, then we really miss out on the ways of God. And I think it takes courage to stand 
on what you know to be right from Scripture. And what I've learned is this. Um, people have a lot of opinions about who I should be and <laughs> yes. what I should do, and but I've learned this really important lesson. I've got to be who God called, has called me to be. I've got to do what God has called me to do, and I've got to let the chips fall where they may. Mm-hmm. Because one day I'll stand before God. I won't stand before people to give an account of what I did with the life God gave me. And it's a tough lesson, but I think it's a great reminder daily to realize that I can live like Jesus when I focus on grace, when I focus on courage, when I, um, when I do what I know is right from Scripture. And let the chips fall where they may. Yeah. And courage as a Christian today in the world we live in, in 2023, Mm -hmm. um, whether whether we choose to speak up Mm -hmm. or we choose to be silent Mm -hmm. like the Pharisees were, Mm -hmm. they didn't respond. Yep. That's a choice. Yep. That's a decision that is made. Right. We can either speak up or we can remain silent and shrivel away. Yep. Um, and I think there was some lessons in here, obviously, personally, mm-hmm. but there's also some lessons for, I think, the church. And when I say the church, mm. I mean the big church, yep. not just Violet Church, but right. for every church here. Um, if we're not careful, we can fall into mm. preferences. We can yep. remain silent. We can not see the, the, the conviction and compassion and courage and not live like that on a daily basis. So I think it's a great reminder on a micro level personally. But then when we come up a little bit and look at the big church, you'd mentioned, this one really caught me, you'd mentioned the motto of the Pharisees in dying churches. In, in you captured it in seven words. We've never done it that way before. And... I think as as churches we we need to be careful that our preferences don't take over, um, that we're not silent on topics and issues mm-hmm. that we need to be courageous about. Um, can can you unpack a little bit more around that motto? We've never done it that way before. I know you're, yeah. you're in your twenty seventh year here at Violet. Yeah. Um, and I know through your Central Ohio Catalyst role, you've worked with other churches, mm-hmm. not just in that role, but even prior to that role, you've mm-hmm. worked in other, worked with and, and helped other churches. What, what do you see the difference between the differences between a growing and thriving church and a church that may be dying and they don't see it yet? Yeah. Um, it's a great question, Eric. I think, uh, as you ask the question, um, I think the principle is that sometimes our traditions can get in the way of what God wants to do in us and through us. I'm reminded of the story my mentor told me uh, years ago, and it stuck with me. And he said um, that he would go into to smaller churches that were, were in decline and starting to die, he happened to be in one church, really small church, where just older people were there. It was down to like six or seven older people, over 65. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was trying to help them, help them to see, hey, don't, do, you want, do you want the next generation to be reached in and through this local church? And he said, one lady said this, 
when he asked, what do you see for the future of this church? The lady said, um, Pastor, I, I, I just want the church to be around long enough so they can have my funeral here. Mm. And, and that's just, I don't know that every person articulates it quite as bluntly and honestly as that. Yeah. But I think a lot of times that's the mindset of the church. The church is for us. It's not for them, for those people beyond our church. And I think a church, a, a surefire sign of a church that's dying and declining is they're an inward church and they're not an outward church. Mm-hmm. I'm so thankful. Our, obviously, our church isn't perfect, but along the way, um, we've, we've, we've been able to get out of our comfort zone. We've been able to do things beyond the church building, you know, the hope ministry, care yeah. portal, and things like that. that. Those are just great examples of what it means to get beyond ourselves. And, and even when we started Upward Basketball yes. 18, 19 years ago, there were some who kind of kicked back on that. Well, we've never done it that way before. We're <laughs> yes. going to do basketball? What are we doing? Yeah, what are we doing? And yet God has used Upward Basketball to bring many children and many many people to the to the Lord and to this church. So that's a that's a good example of, of what it means to uh, to get beyond the comfort zone. It means to go beyond the four walls of the church and I'm, not be afraid. Yes. And I'm I'm so thankful for Violet because I'm a product of yeah. that. Meaning I was lost. Yep. And this church yep. there were people in this church that gave up their preferences and and their inward focus and reached out and continue to reach out. And, um, I'm so thankful for that and those people and the people that are still here and, um, they're still pouring into me this day. So it's, it's still happening. And I, you, it reminded me of a church. I won't name the name of it. Um, it's a local church that was down the street, not too far from here. Used to be on the corner and there's a cemetery right next to it. As you were talking on, as you were preaching on Sunday, I was thinking of this church and I was thinking, what, why did that church die? And I thought there are people that are buried in with the Lord now mm-hmm. that thought that that church would be next to that cemetery f- forever. And yeah. now they're buried next to the Starbucks drive through Yeah, and five and below and these other stores and I'm, I don't know what exactly what happened there, but they're not there anymore. And we see so many churches and hear so many stories mm. of churches dying because of preferences. And, and that breaks my heart. Yeah. Um, this was just a great reminder that we need to continue, not just as pastors and not just as staff, mm-hmm. but as, as a church, continue to follow Jesus by living with conviction, compassion, and courage. Mm. And we're going to do what's right um, to reach people in our community and around us. So I just thank you for this message. Um, Certainly. I thank you for your time today, pastor. It was great to dig in a little more with you. Is there anything else you'd like to say or cover before we close this podcast out? Yeah. I just want to encourage you um, with a goal. Um, as we go through this series, um, let me encourage you to capture a soundtrack from every chapter. 
And so um, as you follow along in this, in this um, series, um, there are 16 chapters in Mark. And so in your journal or in your Bible or wherever, just begin to each week try to find a soundtrack, a healthy truth and a thought to meditate and think about. And so I'll give you one, uh, you know, uh, for today. And so that soundtrack is simply this. Following Jesus means living and loving like Jesus. Yes. Amen. Well, Pastor, thank you again for your time, and thank you all for listening in. Make sure you follow us on all of our social media platforms, our website, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and be sure to download the Church Center app where you can find not only this podcast, but anything else that's going on with Violet Church. Thank you so much. Have a great week, and we will see you Sunday.